We're in Galatians chapter 1, and today we're wrapping up chapter 1 of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Otherwise, open up in your Bible app or is there in your notes inside your bulletin. And we're going to read verses 11 to 24. And here's what it says. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it. But it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church, and I tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Verse 18. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, and I stayed with him 15 days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God, I'm not lying in what I write to you. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith. He once tried to destroy. Verse 24 says, And they glorified God because of me. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for a wonderful time in worship this morning as we sing these songs to you and about you. And I thank you, God, for that sweet time that we can just spend that way. I got to also thank you for everybody who made an effort, Lord, to get up this morning and to come to church to worship with us. I pray you would bless that effort. Lord, I pray for those among us who are sick and couldn't come today because they are they are ill. I pray that you would visit them um, even right now, God, and that you would be with them and bring them comfort in their pain or in their sickness. And God, I want to pray for this um, this word, God, this morning as we wrap up Galatians 1. Would you speak to us, um, God, of uh, the radical transformation you did in the life of Paul and, and the transformation that you want to do within the lives of each and every single one of us here today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Guys, there's something truly uh, inspirational about a good transformation story, right? Have you guys ever heard of like one of these stories of somebody goes through a radical transformation? It's really inspiring. You know, uh, I guess there's something about like that we can really connect uh, when we see somebody go through obstacles or when we see somebody persevere or overcome these obstacles and when they come out triumphant at the end of all their struggle, there's something that we can really connect with. You know, when we see that, when we experience it, when we know somebody who's gone through a radical transformation. You know, when we hear stories like that, it offers us hope, right? When you hear about that, it makes us feel like, you know what? We can overcome too, right? When you hear about that stuff, that no matter the obstacles, Right, that on the other side of whatever struggle that we're going through, we're experiencing, there can be success. There can be change. There can be something better. You know, there's this uh, there's an example of a guy. His name is John John Glaude, and he has a YouTube channel. Uh, those of you that are hip to YouTube, if you're not, I don't know why you're not. Okay, you gotta check it out. Second largest um, search engine other than Google itself. But anyway, on YouTube, there's a story of this guy. His name is John Glaude. And he has a YouTube channel. Check it out. His name, the name of the YouTube channel is Obese to Beast. That's the name of his, uh, his YouTube channel. And on his channel, 
He chronicles his thoughts and he offers advice about losing weight. He offers advice about nutrition and exercise. Uh, he's really big on CrossFit and he kind of chronicles, you know, all of this. Um, now, John went through his own transformation. He lost 170 pounds. And it's amazing. In his YouTube channel, you can see and on his social media, he has all these before and after pictures. And I really love it. He comes at it from a very humble heart. He's not showing off. He's really trying to inspire others as well. He's an inspiration, in fact, to thousands of people across all his social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube especially. And he uses this platform to encourage others to live healthier lifestyles. And uh, in fact, when I, when I was going through my own kind of weight loss you know, journey, as many of you know, last year, um, he was a huge inspiration to me as I would watch his videos and hear about how he lost the weight and how difficult it was for him and, and, and such. And in fact, by the way, guys, he's a Christian too, which is an interesting fact to know as well. But you know, it's amazing because there's just something that's so relatable and that's so encouraging about his story. A guy that was so overweight and was so unhealthy musters up the courage and the stamina to put all the excuses to the side in order to choose to live a healthier lifestyle. Guys, I don't know about you, but that's inspirational to me. Now, maybe you know stories of people like that as well. You know, family members or friends who had to overcome what seemed like insurmountable obstacles and circumstances. Or maybe it was you, you in this room. Maybe it was you, you were addicted to smoking or drinking or, or drugs or, or whatever. And it was destroying your family, it was destroying your relationships. But you made the conscious decision to let it go. Or maybe you were devastated by a family tragedy, but somehow you were able to get through it. You know, there's something incredibly inspirational about a radical transformation. And we've been in this series called Fake News, where we've been working our way through the book of Galatians. And the book of, the book of Galatians is actually a letter, we mentioned, it's written by Paul to the churches in Galatia to remind them of the true good news, to remind them of the true gospel. And today we're going to continue our study through the chapter 1. We'll be wrapping up chapter 1 today. And in these verses, Paul is going to share a little bit about his story. He's going to tell us a little bit about his radical transformation and why he's a credible source in writing this letter to correct the Galatians. Now, when you talk about transformation, Paul's truly was an incredible one. And in fact, if you guys would take out your message notes, there's a couple fill in the blanks there. The big idea for today's passage is this. Paul goes from murderer to missionary and brings glory to God through the gospel. Paul goes from murderer to missionary and brings glory to God through the gospel. That's kind of the big idea of today's passage. Now, Paul experiences a radical transformation and he attributes it all to Jesus. And while John Glaude's physical transformation is nothing sort of amazing, Paul goes through an amazing transformation himself. Though his transformation is not so much his physique, it's not the outward, but it's a spiritual transformation that Paul goes through. He experiences, he experiences a change of heart. And this is what, honestly, guys, this morning, I woke up this morning, go over in my notes, and I, this is what I prayed for each and every single one of you. I, I prayed, I honestly, I'm earnestly praying for every single one of you here. I seriously pray that God would capture your hearts and that I'd see radical transformations within each and every single one of you. When I hear, right, when, when I hear a lot of you come up to me and you tell me about your aspirations, and not just you that I have and that we all have, right, these aspirations... You know, I get excited about it, honestly. You know, I want success for you as much as you want success for yourself. I want healing for you as much as you want healing. I want that new job for you as much as you need it. I want that promotion as much as you want it. 
But what I want even more for you than all of those great things is a radical transformation of your heart through the gospel. That's what I want even more. More than all those wonderful things that you long for and that you desire for yourself. I desperately long for you that you would see your need for Jesus and would long for a growing and thriving relationship with Jesus even more than you want those things. That's what I'm praying for each and every single one of you. You need to know that. Because if you don't like it, then, you know, maybe don't, don't stay here because I'm praying for that. And it might come true. Here's why. First of all, it's because God is God. And he should have first place above all other things in our lives. Amen. But secondly, because if you truly experience a radical transformation of the heart and you truly place Jesus in first place, then when you get all those things that you ask for, all those, all those good things, when you get those good things you ask for, they won't become God things in your life. Lest less the things that you ask God for end up being the very things that pulls you further and further away from him. And unfortunately, I've seen that time and time again. Danny, help me pray for this. Danny, I need this. Danny, can you pray for this, miss, please? Please, Danny, I really need this. Yeah, brother. Yes, sister, let's pray. And then God answers that prayer. And I never see him again. Those good things can become God things in your life. And so even more than I desire for you to have that promotion, that job, or what, the money in the bank, whatever, even more than those great things, I want you to have a radical transformation of the heart. And here's what we learn from Paul's life in today's passage. Number one in your notes, this is what we're going to learn, that God's grasp is not too far. God's grasp is not too far. He said it this way in verse 13. He said, for you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. What does that say there? I what? What's that word? I intensely. intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. Would you guys just circle right there in your notes, circle where it says I intensely persecuted and then underline where it says and tried to destroy it. What was he trying to destroy? The church. Trying to put an end to, to Christians. You see, guys, before Paul was the apostle that planted churches and wrote half of the New Testament, he was actually an extremely religious Jew and very adamantly persecuted followers of Jesus. And I don't mean that he was a cyber bully that typed negative comments on Christians' Facebook posts. <laughs> Read it in his own words. He says, I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. You know, Paul would have been what we call today a terrorist. He literally would, he would literally persecute and jail and even murder Jews who had converted to Christianity. He essentially would give the death penalty to anyone who would say that they were followers of Jesus. This is kind of like what we uh, saw happening in, uh, diff we see this happening in different parts of our world. In fact, a little over four years ago, we received this extremely gr uh, graphic image. I have it on the screen. You guys can check it out. Do you guys remember this very uh, graphic image of 20 Egyptian Christians and one Christian from Ghana who was ruthlessly beheaded by ISIS terrorists a little over four years ago, not that long ago? They were given the opportunity to recant their faith in Jesus, but they refused to, and they paid with their lives. Their faith in Jesus literally cost them their lives. This is what Paul did. He persecuted the church, and he tried to destroy it. And to top it off, 
He did it in the name of religion. So it seemed like a righteous thing to do. He did it in the name of his religion. And if there was anyone who you thought was not deserving of God's grace or God's mercy or God's forgiveness, surely it was Paul. But even though it seemed like Paul was beyond hope, even though it seemed like he was beyond any any type of mercy that he can experience a grace from God, God's grasp was not too far. He was a murderer. He was religious. But he was not too far from God's grasp. Even in his condition, he was not too far removed from God radically capturing his heart and delivering him from a life of religion and murder. And the application for us is simple. You're not too far from God's grasp. That no matter who you are, it doesn't matter your past, it doesn't matter your background or whatever, you're not too far from God's grasp. Now there's two objections that I hear all the time. I don't know about you guys. The first one is, God can never forgive me of my past. You simply don't know all the things I've done, Danny. I can give Paul a run for his money because what I've done is unforgivable. The second objection I hear all the time is that I need to get my life together first, Danny. First I gotta get, I gotta fix all these things in my life then. There's too much I'm currently working on. I've dug a hole too whole, a large hole too big for myself, and I need to get this fixed before I can surrender my life to Jesus. But you see, God's grasp is not too far. And it doesn't matter what you've done, what you're doing, or what you did before you stepped through those doors of the church this morning. God's grasp is not too far. And Paul's story is an amazing example of this. How could God forgive? How could God welcome and let alone use to such a significant degree someone who did such horrendous things in the name of religion? My answer? I don't know. All I'm saying is, thank God I'm not God. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't deem myself being worthy of God's grasp. God's grasp is not too far. Number two in your notes is that God's purposes are better. God's purposes are better. Look at what it says in verse 15 and the first part of 16. Read these three words with me. Ready? Go. But when God. Read that out loud with me one more time. Ready? Go. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. But when God. Listen, you guys need to circle that and you know, you need to put a star next to that. You need to bold it. Ladies, take out your lipstick, circle it, highlight it. That's so important right there. But when God, because you see, Paul thought he had his purpose for living all figured out before he met Christ. He thought he'd, he'd not only be a good Jew, but he'd be the best Jew. He thought he, he would keep every letter of the, of the law. You know, elsewhere in his writings, he lists out his resume of righteousness, where he mentions all the accolades that he had achieved as a religious Jew. In fact, he called himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, he considered himself like a mega Jew. But God completely flipped that. Flipped, God flipped what he thought his purposes were. Where he thought that he would be zealously, he would zealously persecute Christians instead, he would end up making disciples of Jesus. And honestly, this is where some of you are right now, in this moment. You think you have it all figured out, life is on cruise control for you. You figure you'll go to school and you study what you enjoy, or you'll get that dream job that you've been hoping for, or you're gonna find that guy or gal of your dreams, right? And settle with them. But God's purposes are way better than what you have in store for yourself. Let me ask you a question. 
Before the radical encounter that Paul had with Jesus, do you think he would have thought he would have ended up planting churches? Do you think he had in mind that he would be sharing the gospel to cities, to Jew and Gentile alike? Do you think that he thought he would be jailed and chained for unapologetically preaching the gospel? No way. That was not in his game plan. And this is where some of you are right now. What I need you to know is that God's purposes are better. And you may have your game plan in place, but God might have different plans. I love what Proverbs says, Proverbs 16.9. Would you guys read this verse out loud with me? Let's read it with, with great conviction this morning. You guys ready? Go. A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. What plans are you currently making? Maybe you think you have all your ducks lined up in a row, but God has some other plans. Know this, that God's purposes are better. And number three in your notes, God's glory is greater. God's glory is greater. Let me read verse 22 to 24. It says, I remain personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing. This is the rumor that's spreading. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. In verse 24, read it out loud. Ready, go. And they glorified God because of me. See, Paul's purposes before his radical transformation, it all revolved around him. It was all about Paul. It was his ability to keep the letter of the law and be this super religious person ultimately gave himself glory. He was very good at what he did and would have had the respect of all his contemporaries of his day. He would have the fear of all the Christians, but his life was very much centered around himself. He received the glory. And for many of us, this is true of how we live our lives, isn't it? Our lives are very me-centered. And when we live our lives selfishly this way, We don't live for God's glory. We live for our own. It seems that deeply embedded into our sinful nature is wired our sinful desire to be the center of our own worlds. And we want praise and we want recognition. But the moment that we surrender our lives to Jesus, the world no longer revolves around us. We don't live selfishly for our own glory. Instead, we live for the only one who truly deserves all the glory and all the honor, Jesus Christ. Before his radical transformation, Paul was infamous for the reputation that he had of persecuting Christians. His name has spread among the churches for all the wrong reasons. But after his encounter with the Lord, a different rumor begins to spread. And as a result, who gets the glory? God gets the glory. And God's glory is greater. Guys, apart from Jesus, we are living for our own glory. We are gratifying the sinful desires of our flesh. We're living for ourselves. But but with Jesus, we are admitting that the world does not revolve around us. We acknowledge that we cannot save ourselves. And when we do so, ultimately, God gets the glory. The application for us this morning is simple. Whose glory are you living for? Are you living for your own glory? Or are you living for God's? How do you live for God's glory? How can you experience a radical transformation, a hard transformation like Paul did? How can you experience that? It begins with surrendering to Jesus. Acknowledge your need for him. That he is the only one that can forgive you of your sin and give you new life through his work on the cross. 
And as, uh, as we close and we, we spend some time in prayer this morning, if you're here today and, uh, and, and you've yet to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, you've yet to make that decision, I want to give you an opportunity just to meditate and, and to think, whose glory are you living for? Are you living for your own? Are you living for God's? And consider that this morning. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your grasp is not too far. That there is no one too far from experiencing your grace, from experiencing your mercy and your forgiveness. Lord, I know that right here, right now, that there are those that have a million and one excuses as to why they can't experience your mercy and they're not ready and they, there's just too much sin in their life. And God, I just pray that you would help them see this morning that they are not too far from God's grasp. God, thank you that your purposes are better. We may have our own ideas, but ultimately, God, your purposes are better. So, God, I ask that you would help us to live for your purposes. And while there's lots of good aspirations that we can have, God, protect us from making good things God things, lest we put them before you. God, your glory is better. And I pray that we would cease from living for our own glory, and instead that we would live for yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.